Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. If you have a Bible this morning, you will turn with me to the book of Colossians. We're going to look at uh, several passages of Scripture today, but I want to begin by looking at the book of Colossians chapter 1 uh, with you, if you would. So if you'll turn, turn with me there. Last Sunday, uh, Resurrection Sunday, we began a several week series of what we're going to take a look at, Our Living Hope. And last Sunday, we discovered through the Scripture, through Jesus' words, that Jesus Christ is our living hope. What we know as His children, in this world, there is no hope. Uh, You see person after person after person trying to discover hope in this world. And there's frustration after frustration after frustration. Absent a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no hope. Jesus is our living hope. And so in the book of Colossians, Paul is actually writing about that, uh, the living hope that we have in Christ. Now here in Colossians, Paul didn't actually use the word living hope. We find that in other passages. But as we read this passage here in Colossians chapter 1, you'll see the living hope that Paul is writing to us about. Colossians 1 verse 15 Paul says, he, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now what you'll discover as we go through these uh, probably 10, 15 verses here is that we could stop and spend weeks talking about the richness in each one of these verses. Just that first verse alone is so powerful for us in discovering the living hope that we have as his sons and daughters. Verse 16, for by him, again, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Now, I want to stop for just a moment, and I'm going to step over here because I'm going to meddle, if you will, for just a minute, and it's not my message. So, I'm going to stand over here for just a minute, and I want to say to us, as God's sons and daughters, quit worrying about who's in power in the government. Because Paul just said, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible. And listen to this, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities All things were created by him and for him. Listen to me when I say this. Joe Biden is our president because it was ordained of God. Amen? (laughs) President Trump was president because it was ordained by God. And we have to stop worrying about who God put put in power 
and start worrying about what God is doing so that we don't miss our living hope. You see, long before America was founded, our hope was Jesus Christ. If our country were to disappear, our hope will be Jesus Christ. And God uses the people that he has placed in power and authority for his glory and his honor. And we as his children can't miss the things that he is doing through those who are in power. We'll get back to the message now. I'll get emails over that, I know, but that's okay, it's the truth. And if you want to be wrong, you can be wrong. I didn't bother me. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, Jesus Christ, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And there we have our living hope. Paul says to us in the book of Colossians that everything is for God's glory. And as long as Jesus Christ is at the center of everything, then we will find our living hope. And so when we search amongst the government, or when we search amongst the things that are around us, or when we search inside of us, or when we search in other people, we will always miss our living hope. But as long as we discover, from, or as long as we experience what we discover from Paul's words in Colossians 1, that Jesus is the head of everything, then we will experience our living hope. The thing that we must, as followers of Jesus Christ, as Whitechapel Church, catch from this passage of Scripture are the words that Paul wrote in verse 18 when he says, And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. There is our head. That's why we gather inside these walls to lift him up and to worship him because he is the head of the body. That's why we gather in these walls to take the scripture and to, ta- and to, and to ingest it into the depth of our soul so that we can then begin to live it because he is the head of the body. And listen, if he is the head of the body, then we have to be listening to that which the head of the body has spoken to us. God is a living God. And last week, we celebrated his death, his burial, and his resurrection to defeat sin that the enemy brought into the world and the consequences of that sin so that we are no longer bound by that death and destruction, but instead we discover our living hope. And if Christ is the head of the body, then we recognize that we cannot operate without the head. It's the same in our physical bodies. If you lose a finger, you can still keep on living. If something tragically happens and you were to lose your leg, you can keep on living. But if your head is severed from your body, you can no longer live. And it is the same in the spiritual realm. When we, the church, are separated from our head, we will cease to exist. Because Jesus is our living hope as the head of the body. 
So church, we have to be determined that we are going to follow our living hope, Jesus Christ. And we are going to take the words of Paul that says he is at the center of everything and there we're going to find him. At the center of everything. Principalities, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Absolutely everything. And here's the kicker. That means you as well. God knit you together inside of your mother's womb. He formed you there. As he was creating you for him, he was dreaming his dreams inside of you. As God was planning from Genesis chapter 3 until he arrived inside of the womb of Mary, he was planning and dreaming about the church that he was birthing. And there he was planning for each and every one of us to gather together to be a part of what we call Whitechapel Church, knowing that he was the center of everything. And if we are going to trust in the center of everything, our living hope, then we have to live out of a center of only listening to the Lord and nothing else. It's frustrating It's very, very frustrating to see how many experts there are on what it takes to build a church. It's frustrating because everybody has an opinion and all these experts have opinions on what it means to build the church. And when we focus on those things and we miss the center, then what we are building is our own kingdoms and not the kingdom that he came to establish We have to live, I'll say it again because it's so vital for us, we have to live out of the center of listening to the center of all things and then only do that which he has told us. The church is the pulse of a resurrected Jesus Christ and listen, and will be victorious. That's a promise from God in the scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, you don't have to turn there. If you'd like to, you can. But in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus, very early in his ministry, is spending some time with his disciples. And I want you to listen to the confession of Peter and the words of Christ in Matthew 16, verse 13, and I'll read through verse 20. Matthew writes, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? He's saying, who do do they say that I am? In verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. You see, at this point, they hadn't realized that Jesus was the center. They hadn't realized that Jesus was God in the flesh. Now, some had realized that. And we'll see the, the, the confession of Peter in this. But Jesus is asking, who is it that they think that I am? And they gave some of those solutions. And then in verse 15, Jesus says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And listen to verse 18. 
Jesus' words here. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Listen, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Did you catch the words of Jesus there? Jesus said, the church is victorious. Jesus said, I am going to build my church. He did not say, go find some great eloquent eloquent speaker, and go find some amazing consultant, and go find somebody that knows how to build the church. Jesus said, I'm going to do the work of building the church. And he said, and I, as I build the church, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that he is building. Because Jesus was saying to the disciples that the church is the pulse of a resurrected Jesus Christ and will always be victorious. Listen, that's the body that we are a part of. That is what it means to be a child, a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And despite what the statistics say, and despite what the experts say, and despite what anybody else might say about the church, the church is victorious as long as Jesus is the center. Amen? And that is the body that he has placed us inside of. So how is this possible? What does it mean for a church to be victorious. I'll tell you, we have to stop chasing the silver bullet. We have to stop chasing it. Jesus said, I am going to build my church. Jesus said, and as I build the church, the gates of hell are not gonna prevail against it. Jesus is saying, there is no silver bullet. It, it was God in the flesh who came to defeat the works of the enemy. It was God who did the work. And when we are chasing the silver bullet, we're just spinning our wheels. It's like growing up in southeast Missouri where I grew up. And you could go out in in some of the fields um, after just the slightest bit of rain. It didn't matter what type of truck you took out into the fields. Eventually, after a rain, you're going to get stuck in the field. And as you try to turn the accelerator to make the wheels go... You can get whoever it is in the back trying to rock that truck. I'll tell you, that truck is not going to become unstuck. Because there's this murk and mire and this Mississippi mud in southeast Missouri that will take the truck and hold on to it. I understood in watching these shows on TV, like the Dukes of Hazard and the Incredible Hulk, and those, the, whenever they would get stuck in, in a quicksand. You remember what quicksand was? I used to think that quicksand was going to be a much bigger deal than what it actually is in life because it was, on, it was on TV. But I understood what that was like growing up in southeast Missouri. Because after a little bit of rain, doesn't matter where you went, if you got off of the road, your truck was going to get stuck. And you could try and try and try, and you're not going to get unstuck. Whenever we as a church are chasing a silver bullet and some answer other than Jesus Christ, we're always going to get stuck. And it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter who we hire. It doesn't matter what we chase. If it is not Jesus Christ, we will always be stuck. 
Jesus said, I am building my church, and as long as I am doing the building, it will always be victorious. Whitechapel Church, Jesus' call for us is to chase him first and nothing else. And so I just want to stop for a minute this morning, and I want to ask you to ask yourself this question. What is it that you are chasing? What is it that you are chasing? There has to be a reason that you woke up early on a Sunday morning, and despite the rain, and despite everything that you may have encountered this morning that said, let's just stay home. We can, we can watch church online now. We don't have to get out. We don't have to go down uh, to church. We don't have to worry about We don't have to go through all the hassle and headaches. We can sit here, and we can watch church online. What is it that you are chasing that led you to go through the obstacles of getting here on this Sunday morning? What is it that you're chasing? Was it because you've, you want to be around people that you may not have seen in a while? Was it because that maybe you're just tired of being cooped up because of the pandemic that we face and you just are looking for opportunity to be around people? Was it because you want to have fellowship or was it because you wanted to be able to get together and because you've been to church, you just go to church and that's just what you're supposed to do? Was it because somebody invited you to come? What, what is it that you are chasing? This morning, I want to ask if you would make the commitment with me this morning that there is nothing, nothing in this world that you are going to chase other than Jesus Christ. Paul's words in Colossians can be life-changing for us when we apply them to our lives. And when we realize that Jesus Christ really really is at the center of everything, of everything, then our daily life becomes transformational. Because what we then get to discover is where Jesus is in everything, in everything. And we think, oh, well, there's all this stuff that's going on, and I don't understand why any of this has happened. And I'll tell you, I don't understand why some things are happening either. But I know who does understand. And I've determined that I'm going to chase him. And despite my lack of understanding, and despite my uncomfortable, uh, uncomfortableness at times, I'm still going to chase him. And so what I'm asking you to commit to this morning is to determine that there is nothing in this world that you are going to chase without first viewing it through the lens of Colossians 1. And then when you view it through the lens of Colossians 1, it changes your perspective so that you're no longer chasing that, but instead you are chasing Jesus Christ. Paul says in Colossians that Jesus is the head of it all. Eugene Peterson wrote in the message, wrote the Colossians passage this way, verse 20 through 23. This is how Eugene Peterson wrote it. He said, all this energy issues from Christ. And I love those six words there. All of this energy, absolutely everything, issues from Christ. It's all in him. He goes on to say, God raised him from death and set him on a throne in heaven in charge of running the universe Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power are exempt from this rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. 
Jesus is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. And at the center of all of this, listen, Christ rules the church. You see, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. Listen, the church is vital because Jesus promised that he was going to build it. And if Jesus promised that he was going to build something and it was that important to him, then it needs to be that important to us because Jesus is the one building it. And I don't want to miss that which Jesus came to build. Now listen to me. Jesus did not come to build these four walls surrounding us. These four walls are not the church. You are the blood-bought church of the living God. And you are the ones that Jesus came to build. Now, I believe that God came to unite us inside of these four walls for his glory and his honor. Paul told us in Colossians that there's nothing that's been built that he has not built. You see, God had a purpose for Whitechapel Church. And I believe that you are here this morning because God's purpose was for you to be a part of this church and for you to be a part of the God dreams that he is dreaming for Whitechapel Church. The late Anglican priest John Stott said this, if the church is central to God's purpose, and it is, as seen in both history and the gospel, it must surely also be central to our lives. How can we take lightly that what God takes so seriously? How dare we push to the circumference what God has placed in the center? You can't miss Paul's words and the importance, the significance of what he said in Colossians 1, and 23. God placed all things under Jesus' feet. Everything. You know what all means right there? All means all. That means everything. Everything is under the feet of Jesus Christ. And Paul goes further to say he appointed him, Jesus, to be the head over everything. Why? For the church. It's for us. It's for his children. And the inheritance that he has given for us is not not an inheritance that he has gone to prepare, and that's it. He did go to prepare us an inheritance. But the inheritance is as much a future inheritance as it is a present-day inheritance. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, us, that he is building. And he is the head of the body. It's for the church. I have a friend who is in a, a foreign... A, 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 um, it's a, he's in a foreign country. And he's in a foreign country, and he is there as a believer in Jesus Christ. And this country does not want Christians to be a part of their culture. They love the values of the culture, but they do not love Jesus Christ. 
And so while they are attracted to the values, they are repulsed by Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting? And there are countless believers in this foreign country. Countless believers in this foreign country. And you know what they do? The believers in this country pray for persecution. They pray, God, please send persecution. You think that's a crazy thing to pray, isn't it? It is. Who wants to be tortured because of your belief in Jesus Christ? Who wants to be arrested because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? But in this country, they pray for persecution. You know why? They'll tell you that under persecution, they know that they are the closest to Jesus Christ that they've ever been. And so they pray, Lord, please send persecution to us. Please let people start getting arrested. Please let people start getting tortured. Please let us go through these experiences because they are living Colossians 1, and 23. And they know that everything is for the church. They live it out. And they say, we are first chasing Jesus Christ and it doesn't matter what anybody does to us. So... We have to start living the life of chasing first Jesus Christ and nothing and no one else. Nothing and no one else. So a week or two ago, I was on a Zoom call with Pastor Gary and some other leaders from, um, from around the state. We had this Zoom call, and in this Zoom call, our, our state pastor who oversees Florida Ministries of the Church of God, his name is Ken Love, he's been here and he's, he's led this church through several things. He's preached here, I think back in December he preached here. Just an amazing, amazing, amazing man of God. On this call, Ken is leading the meeting and he actually speaks to Pastor Gary. And one of the things that he said to Pastor Gary, um, man, it was just so powerful and I wrote it down. This is, this is what Ken said to Pastor Gary. As Pastor Gary was talking about some things here at Whitechapel, Ken says to Pastor Gary, I just wonder what God dreams are unfulfilled for Whitechapel Church. And you think, okay, we're, we'll just keep on going in that. But no, no, no. I wrote it down because it was so powerful in the moment. And so the Lord began to stir this inside of me. What God dreams are unfulfilled for Whitechapel Church? We've got to know the question. We've got to know the answer to that question. If we miss that question, we're not chasing Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. He didn't say, I want you to start building the church. He said, I'm going to build my church. Well, how is it that Jesus Jesus builds the church? He speaks to us, and we respond. So the question then is, what God dreams are unfulfilled for Whitechapel Church? So this is how the theology of the Scripture, then we start to live that out. We don't just read the Scripture, and we don't just hear a message, and then we go about living our, way, our, living our life however we want to. We have to take the theology of the Scripture and apply it to every single area of our life so Jesus truly is the center of everything. And so the way that we determine... What God dreams are unfulfilled for this place is we simply sit with the Lord and ask the question, God, what dreams do you have for Whitechapel Church that are unfulfilled? So I began to do that. Now, this was intended for Pastor Gary, 
But man, the Lord was stirring this inside of me. And I had not asked the Lord this question. I would asked the Lord some directional things for us as a congregation. I would asked the Lord what to do in certain situations. And I was listening to the Lord. But I would not asked this question specifically. And the Lord kept drawing me back to this question. What dreams does he have that are unfulfilled for Whitechapel Church? We have to know this. So then the next question for us is this. We don't just stop here at one question and run off and say, oh, I've got an answer. We continue the conversation with the Lord. We know from Jesus' words throughout the Scripture, especially if you're looking at John 15, 16, and 17, that God is a God who speaks to us. He's not a silent God. If Jesus is building the church, he's going to speak to us about the church, right? Because it's his church. So then we have to move to the next question. If the church is victorious, because here's where we then start to live our theology. The theology of what Jesus has spoken in Matthew chapter 15. And the theology of the power of Paul's words from Colossians chapter 1. So we go to the next question, which is if the church is victorious, and we are, then what is the Lord saying to Whitechapel Church? And so I began to wrestle with these things. And I began to, to really ask the Lord to speak boldly and powerful about these specific unfulfilled dreams that he has for all of us. Jesus, I want you to hear this. Jesus is the head. And he has dreams for Whitechapel Church. It's his church. He's building it. He's at the center of it. We are to be victorious. And we are here as a body and have been sustained for next year will be 90 years because God has dreams for this place. And with God having dreams for this place, you are a part of those dreams. He laid out a path for us in Matthew 16. Paul reaffirmed Jesus' words in Colossians 1. And we have to know the answer to the question, what dreams does God have for Whitechapel Church that are unfulfilled? And so I want to just share with you from my journal what the Lord has spoken very powerfully and boldly to me of what his dreams are, un what dreams of his are unfulfilled for Whitechapel Church. And the first is unity. You have to hear this. Unity. Unity that is first modeled here inside this body that is then lived out inside of our community. And listen, this is what the Lord has spoken powerfully to me about unity. Unity says that we are confident enough in our walk with Him that we are going to set aside all of our preferences. Do, do, do you catch that? Unity simply means that we are confident enough in our walk with Him, living inside of Matthew 15 and 16, and living inside of Colossians chapter 1. We're so confident that Jesus is at the center that we're going to set aside our preferences. And I'll tell you, I'll be very frank, I'll be very honest with you. If I were to design what a Sunday would look like, just with my own preferences at the forefront, it wouldn't look like what we do in here on Sunday morning. But this is what I'll tell you. I am so confident 
at what God is doing at Whitechapel Church and the direction that we're going at, in Whitechapel Church, that I'm willing to set aside my preferences for the sake of unity among the body. I would do things different, but that's okay. It's not my church. It's his church. And he said, I'm going to build my church, and my church is going to be victorious, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is what the Lord said to me about unity for Whitechapel Church, the dream that he has for us in unity, that us unified would become a team that eventually becomes an army for the community. So we move past being a team to being an army for our community. This is an unfulfilled God dream that he has for us. The next is our school, Warner Christian Academy. Fifty years ago now, God spoke his dream to the leaders that were a part of Whitechapel Church. And that dream for Warner Christian Academy was sending out 1,000 leaders to change the world for Jesus Christ. That is an unfulfilled God dream for this place. And we have to possess that dream. We have to own it. We have to see that dream fulfilled. God has spoken that he gave us that calling. And so we as a body have to support that. We, I, I, I could say all kinds of things about this, but this is, this is what God spoke to me. And, and I, I just want you to hear me in this. We have to be willing to stand up and we have to say that Warner Christian Academy, whatever the cost, whatever the price that we have to pay, and I'm not talking about money, that we are going to make sure that that God dream of 1,000 leaders being sent out is going to come to pass. Amen. Now listen, that number 1,000 is not a number, and we're eventually going to get to that last tally mark, and we're going to mark it off and say, we're done, we can close the school. Here's what we discover in Scripture. The number 1,000 is given a lot of times in the Scripture. And when you're talking in the prophetic, and when you're talking in the interpretation of that, the number 1,000 simply means a number so big that it can't be counted. That's what God wants to do through Warner Christian Academy. That's the dream that he has given to us as a body. And we have to be willing to pay the price, no matter what the cost, that we are going to see this God dream fulfilled. The next one kind of sounds what Jesus said, right? An unfulfilled God dream for us as a congregation is to see the chains of bondage broken and people delivered. Jesus said, I am coming to see the captives set free. Listen, there's a lot of captives right here in Volusia County. There are a lot of people right here in our midst that are bound by the chains and grips of sin. And we cannot gather in our comfort and preferences here inside these walls and watch the world go to hell. We are the blood-bought church of the living God who marches forward in victory to see the chains of bondage broken and, and, and the captives being set free. That's the mission that we have. That's the unfulfilled God dream that he has for this place. And as a part of that, the next, I think, links right, into number uh, right in with number three, that we create a center for meeting the community's needs. We do this 
in a small way through our thrift store and outreach ministry. But I believe it's much bigger than this. God doesn't give a dream that is small. God gives dreams that are so big that without his help, we'll never see it accomplished. We have to be a hub for this community's needs to be met. Because what we will discover when we meet their needs is then they are willing to move forward with us and willing to be set free from their chains of bondage. It's kind of what Jesus did when he was feeding of the multitude and feeding the thousands of people. He met a physical need that they had, and then he led them to deliverance. I think that this is where God is leading us as a congregation, in an unfulfilled God dream that he has for us. The next two, as God was speaking, I almost didn't write these down, because they, they just, even, even with the third one of breaking the chains and the deliverance, it almost just seems cliche-ish, Right? And you could take these dreams and you could put them on almost any church in the world. And you could say, yep, that's what we're going to do. But these next two are very specific for us. And they are unfulfilled God dreams for us as a congregation. The, The fifth unfulfilled God dream is he wants us to be a powerhouse of worship. Hear me. A powerhouse of worship. This is what God specifically said about a powerhouse of worship. It's so that inside these four walls, we feel and sense his presence. So that, and this is the next piece, so that his presence becomes lived on a daily basis. Because here's what a powerhouse of worship is. It's not 45 minutes inside these walls on Sunday morning. That's not a powerhouse of worship. A powerhouse of worship is how you're living at 845 when you're at work on Monday morning. A powerhouse of worship is how you're treating your family members and living out Jesus is at the center of everything. A powerhouse of worship is simply living his presence every single moment of every single day. Now we've got a powerful worship team who stands on this platform every Sunday morning. And we are not going to let anybody step on this platform who's not living out a powerhouse of worship. Because if there's an unfulfilled God dream for us to become a powerhouse of worship, then what we have to make sure is that we have leaders who are living a powerhouse of worship every single day. God wants you to live his presence every single moment. And the way that we will see these others accomplished is if we become a powerhouse of worship of worship. And the next is a powerhouse of prayer. We have to, we have to be a powerhouse of worship. And we have to be a powerhouse of prayer. These two kind of actually go hand in hand together. This is what the Lord, I believe, has said about us becoming a powerhouse of prayer. It's that intimacy with him that we experience in our time with him. Listen to this that then becomes a real-time intimacy lived every single moment of the day. We cannot, in a powerhouse of prayer, we cannot only have powerful moments in our prayer closet with Him. But a powerhouse of prayer is lived every single moment of every single day. This This is what Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. You're not living in the moment, and then you say, can I push pause for just a minute? I've got to go pray about something. 
No, you're living in the moment and you have such intimacy with God who's at the center of everything that you sense his direction in that moment. That then is a powerhouse of prayer. And then what you will discover is that God will begin to speak things to you so that in the moment you're like, oh yeah, now I know what he meant when he was talking to me in my prayer closet. And so that intimacy with him is lived out in the moment. I want you to hear me, Whitechapel Church. I really wrestled with sharing these things with you this morning. I shared them with our elders. Our elders met on Thursday night. And I thought, okay, I'm done with this. This is, this is, this is the, the finality of this. We're going to talk about these as leaders, and we're going to wrestle with these, and we're going to go through these as the leaders. But throughout this past week, I really sensed that God said, the entire body needs to understand his dreams that he has for Whitechapel Church. Because if they're his dreams that he has for us as a body, then who then accomplishes them? Who then are the ones that are used to accomplish these dreams? It's all of us. It's not just leaders. It's not just our staff, and it's not just the people that are inside the school teaching on a daily basis. It's not just the people that we've hired, and it's not the people that we've voted on to, to, to lead us as elders. It's every single one of us. God has united us together so that we can see his dreams played out and fulfilled right here at Whitechapel Church. God's desire for us as a body of believers is to make sure that we are living inside of his dreams and absolutely nothing else. And so as I began to wrestle with these, these God-sized dreams that I believe that God has for us as a congregation... Um, as I dove into some next questions in a conversation with the Lord, one of the things that the Lord really stirred inside of me that we have to ask as an entire body, what hurdles and obstacles are there that would prevent these God dreams from coming to pass? What hurdles and obstacles are there? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to dream for my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we have to identify the hurdles and the obstacles and the barriers. And I'll tell you, there's nothing else that we have to do than start stripping these hurdles and obstacles and barriers away. Because if there is anything that is preventing us from accomplishing God's dreams in this place, then it has to be gone. It cannot stay any longer. And it has to move. These are the six dreams that I wholeheartedly believe that God has that are unfulfilled for Whitechapel Church. And so one of the things that the Lord stirred inside of me, and it happened after our elders meeting, is to just write down eight commitments that I have as your pastor for these unfulfilled God dreams. And to ask you to join me on this journey. This is my promise to you as your pastor that I will be a gatekeeper for these unfulfilled God's dreams. I'm going to protect these dreams, and I'm going to fight for these dreams. And I promise you that as a gatekeeper for these dreams, the gates of hell will not prevail. We are going to move forward with the dreams, accomplishing the dreams that God has for this place. God has also spoke to me, the Pastor Gary Garman and Gary and Sharonda. We just call you guys pastors too. Is that okay? That, that's fine. Pastor Gary Vaughn and Pastor Sharonda also are the gatekeepers and the elders are the gatekeepers for these dreams. We've got to bind together as a congregation 
And what I want to ask you to do is join us as gatekeepers for these dreams so that we are not allowing the hurdles and the obstacles to come in that would prevent us from moving forward with accomplishing these God-sized dreams. The next, I promise as your pastor that I will ensure that we fund these dreams with God's resources. God has entrusted us with some amazing resources, amazing resources as a church. And we have to make sure that these resources are only, hear me, only going to accomplish unfulfilled God dreams. God will always fund his dreams. Always. And with the resources that he has provided to us, they are not intended for anything other than funding his dreams. And so as your pastor, I will make sure that we are funding God's dreams with the resources that he has entrusted to us. The next is, we are willing to walk away from everything and everyone that is a hurdle or obstacle to God's dreams. Doesn't matter what it is. If it's a hurdle or an obstacle, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that it's wrong and it's bad for us. And we are willing to walk away from that if it does not aid us in accomplishing God's dreams. If God has spoken, then we need to be about our Father's business. And everything and everyone that is a hurdle or obstacle is preventing us from doing what God has called us to do. Next, we will do, hear this, nothing less and nothing more than what God has dreamed for Whitechapel Church. Nothing less and nothing more. Only what he has spoken, that's what we're going to do. Now, there might be times that we are doing something that you wonder, how does that fit into these unfulfilled God dreams? Feel free to ask about that. Feel free to have some conversation about that. Because sometimes we don't get the fullness of the picture. God just gives us, gives us bits and pieces. But here's what I know. God's spoken six specific unfulfilled dreams that he has for this place. And we are going to do nothing less and nothing more than those things. The next, we are going to live out the full word of God and focus on discovering Jesus and sharing his love. God has called us with his purpose. God has given us these unfulfilled dreams. And we must make sure that we are living out of the full word of God and listening only to him. Next, I will ensure that every ministry, Every activity, every policy, and every employee supports the dreams that God has for Whitechapel Church. And if any of these ministries, activities, policies, and employees do not support the dreams that God has for Whitechapel Church, then, then they're a hurdle or an obstacle. And we need to be willing to walk away. This, these are stiff words, if you will. Tough words, if you will. But Jesus said, I'm at the center of everything. And if he is speaking to us, then we need to be willing to stand in that which he has called each of us to do. So here's what I want to ask of you. I want to ask you to join us in accomplishing these God dreams. You don't have to take my word. You don't have to take our leader's words. You don't have to take anybody else's words for these God dreams. Sit with the Lord. Here's what I do know. God not only has dreams for us as a congregation, God has dreams for you individually. My last commitment to you is that I am going to walk to help you fulfill the dreams that God has for you. God has dreams for Whitechapel Church, but God has a dream for you as well. And so what you have to do 
is take that theology that we find in Colossians 1 and take the theology that we get in Matthew and you have to live that and apply it for yourself. And you get to sit with the Lord and you get to ask, God, what unfulfilled dreams do you have for me? God, if the church is victorious and I am your child as a part of the church, then what have you spoken over me? And so I end with this slide, and this is it. The last two things. I want to ask you to ask God these two questions. What dreams do you have for me? This is an assignment I'm giving to you. You've got homework as you leave from here today. Ask these questions. Sit with the Lord and ask him these questions. What dreams do you have for me? And then here's the best part. And this is where I think we're going to see God do things that we can't even begin to imagine. Ask the next question. How do I fit into the dreams that you have for Whitechapel? Isn't that amazing? Where we see the dream that God has for his church, then marry with the dreams that God has for us. And then we walk forward in unity as an army that he has called us to. To make sure that it's not just about this place, but God created us for a specific purpose and has given us a calling. And we then get to walk forward with the dreams together that he has for every single one of us. Hear me, church. God is building the church. And the gates of hell have no power. And it has no authority. And we must stand in the authority as his sons and daughters that he has given to every single one of us. So would you join us on this journey as we move forward seeing the unfulfilled God dreams accomplished that he has for Whitechapel Church and you. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week 